Do you love your dog and yet find yourself frustrated with them sometimes? Have you ever wanted to find a judgment-free space where you could share your struggles with raising a dog? This is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Heart of the Dog podcast, a community of dog lovers working toward helping each other understand their furry friends a little better. Together with guidance from experts in their field, we will explore any and all topics, big and small. Today on Heart of the Dog. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. My name is Mary and I'm your host. I'm so grateful to be here with you all today. We have a very exciting episode today and I have the pleasure of interviewing the man who inspired me to start my journey in dog training. I will introduce him in just a minute. First, I would like to remind everyone to rate and review if you have not yet done so. Rating and reviewing will help us find new members of the pack. Now, my guest for today is dog behaviorist and trainer Tom Davis. Tom is the owner of Upstate Canine Academy in Upstate New York. He is also the owner of No Bad Dogs Media Production Company and the host of the No Bad Dogs podcast. In addition, Tom also has a YouTube channel full of hours of dog training content from his personal work with clients at his training facilities. Tom is a husband, soon to be father, dog owner, and lover. He has made many different media appearances from Good Morning America to The Today Show and more. Most recently, Tom was featured in People Magazine in an article entitled, He's a Dog's Best Friend. Please join me in welcoming Tom Davis. Um, well, welcome, Tom. Hey, How's thanks. It going? It's going great. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day in upstate New York. The sun is shining. I was just sitting out by my pool eating a yogurt parfait and you know, editing some videos and hanging out. So everything is going really great. Really great. Nice. That's awesome. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for asking. Where it's do a beautiful you, day here. Where do you live? That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> oh, um, I live in Walnut Creek, California. I'm actually getting ready to move. Um, so my house is a little crazy right now. But um, but yeah, I live in uh, so the Bay Area. That's where I'm based. Awesome. Cool. Um, so I know your history because I am a big fan of yours. Um, in fact, (laughs) a really funny story that I don't think I've told yet to hardly anybody is the first time I was ever asked if I was a dog trainer, I was wearing one of your sweatshirts, Hmm. um, one of your upstate canine Academy sweatshirts and, uh, a guy who was also, I assume a fan, uh, cause he recognized the logo, uh, was like, are you a dog trainer? And I was like, no, I'm just a fan. And he was like, but no bad dogs, Tom Davis. Right. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's, that's totally what this is. He was like, but you're not a trainer. And I was like, no, why are you looking for one? And he was like, yeah, I've got a German shepherd puppy that I need help with. And I was like, oh man, I was like, I really hope you find somebody. Cause like a good trainer makes like a world of difference. Um, but it was just really, it's, it's funny looking back at that moment. Cause I'm, I like, I was a trainer because I was working with my dogs and training my dogs from your content, but I wasn't willing to be like, yeah, I'm a dog trainer. Let me train your dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. Um, yeah. I, I love that. And, and it, it, that's starting to become a thing now. Like I, like anytime I go out or even yesterday I was out at a like local like craft fair and <laughs> is just people are just big no bad dogs and i'm just like yep like it's (laughs) it's just like it's just funny it's becoming like this no bad dogs like that's the thing so that's really cool i'm I'm glad to hear that that's amazing 
Yeah. Um, but I do want to kind of recap really quickly. I don't want to go deeply into your history, but I do kind of want to give a give our audience a little recap about um, who you are and how you started. Um, I know that when you started training dogs, you were living in a tent in your friend's backyard, um, and now you've got a beautiful house and two training facilities. So I'd love to give them just a brief little taste of of your story. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a yeah, I'm a professional dog lover, I guess, you know, so I, 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 uh, I've been known to say, Hey, I'm not really a trainer. Um, but obviously I'm in the dog industry, but I'm more in the people industry than anything. I, I, yeah, I've been working with dogs professionally for close to 15 years. And I started when I was 21 ish. The timeline is give or take, you know, so, um, I'm, I, that's just over the years, I, it, it's gotten jumbled, you know, but yeah, so I started when I was about 21, started off a pretty much a dog walking company based out of my house. I went to college for a couple semesters, you know, graduated high school. I was a super senior. I was a C student. Uh, I pretty much passed high school in my opinion, because I just became friends with a lot of my teachers and they were like, nudging me in the right direction of what I needed to do. And so I wasn't the person that was knowing my immediate, I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to be whatever. I didn't know. And so when I graduated high school, and I think I'm, this is important for, for your listeners, if anybody's motivated to uh, potentially jump into anything, not just the dog world, but that's, that's like my story is I was in that in between my friends were going to college, you know, moving away. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I just think that's overwhelming. I, I, I would hate to go out and spend a, a considerable amount of money that I, knew, I I didn't come from money. So I knew my parents couldn't pay for it. So I knew that I would be taking out student loans. And so I was like, ah, that's a little much. I don't. And it's, it wasn't a bad thing that people do that. It's actually, I'm jealous of people knowing exactly what they wanted to do and just getting right after it. But I spent probably, I don't know three to four years in that in-between stage of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I remember I went to a semester in local college, community college of um, law enforcement. And uh, I, I like law enforcement because I just liked helping. I've always liked helping people. Like it's something I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been very passionate. I'm like, man, I'd love to just show up somewhere and help somebody that really needed help. You know, and that, that, was, that was it for me. I was like, that's what I'm passionate about. And then I started to realize that, I didn't really like the idea of somebody telling me how successful I could be, how much money I could make. And so I took a step back and about 21, 20 ish, I started drumming up these entrepreneurship type of ideas of, well, maybe I should start my own business. Maybe I should get into something myself. And then I, you know, thought about all of the 20 year old stuff, you know, I'm like, eh, I could do this. I could do that. And I just remember one day my brother was like, well, why don't you, what do you love? Like what, I remember the question came came across something along the lines of what would you want to wake up and do every day? Like what could you get mm-hmm. excited about? And then I was like, right. well, I love dogs. That's my number one thing. Like I can't express to you how much emotion goes through my soul when talking about dogs, thinking about dogs. Like I'll get emotional even thinking about certain aspects of dogs and their relationship and their communication with myself over the years. And so it's just something I've always been so overwhelmingly, undeniably out of this world, passionate about of like dogs, dogs is like, that's my thing. Right. And I think 
a lot of people can probably, uh, I, I would say a lot of people can probably say the same thing. I mean, who doesn't love a freaking dog? Right. So yeah. for me, that was it. I was like, I just, I mean, when, when I see, when I see a dog do a certain thing, whether it's good or bad, my heart drops, my throat swells up. I get this overwhelming, like, Oh, I'm either really happy or I'm like, Oh, I got to help. And so it really drives my day by day operation from 15 years ago to now. It's something that I've just always had a really innate, deep passion for that. So fast forward, um, my brother said, okay, well, and my brother's, uh, in the bit, he's a little bit older than me and he has a business degree and he, manages gigantic hospital organizations. So he's very corporate. And so he had an opportunity to, he had his own office and he's like, well, what, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, a dog, he's like, well, you know, you can't just open up a dog grooming center. I'm like, ah, I don't really like that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do good with that. So I started a dog walking company. Cause that was like at 20, that was the most suitable thing for me. And what I wanted to do is like, Hey, People are going to trust me to go in their house to take care of their dogs, and I get to go and um, work with dogs all day. And so that's what we did. We started Adirondack Animal Services, I think, in 2010 or something like that. I can't remember. Started like We started an LLC before I was working with dogs just for like – before I was taking 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there, something I was already doing. It's like They're like, hey, can you stay at my house You know, as – that's why the timeline gets kind of confusing. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, I started my LLC on this date, but before I was always doing it and I would anyway. So we started an LLC for Adirondack animal services, which was pet sitting. So it was not just dog walking. It was rabbits, cats. I mean, I love all animals. It wasn't just like this morning. I went and chased my freaking cat down because he had a <laughs> chipmunk in his mouth and I'm like <laughs> oh, freaking no. out and I, I get it. I'm like, okay, if it's dead, it's dead. Like you're a cat. That's a chipmunk. Things happen. But I'm like chasing him around and I got him and I was like, man, he's already dead. And then my cat spit him out and I put my cat inside and then I came back and he was gone. I was like, oh, well, that's kind of good, I guess. But my point is, is like I, I have I, I have a deep compassion for, for animals in general. And um, I did everything, scooping litter boxes, um, feeding fish, uh, feeding birds. I mean, I did it all. And long story short, I did that for about four years, really didn't make any money paid my bills barely. And then one day one of my clients was like, Hey, you're, and I just became like the dog guy. I would walk around with dogs everywhere. I'd have dogs in the car. I gave up all of my twenties while my friends were at college, hanging out, partying, doing the normal 20 ish stuff in the college life. I was trying to build a business and I was trying to figure out how to run a business. And I was figuring out how to get insurance for my business and how to work with clients. And should I get a cell phone for my business? Should I put a sticker on my car? I was doing all these things as a business owner to try to figure out and navigate. So I was boots on the ground. I wasn't going to school on how to market and how to uh, work on your, your finances and developing business and cash flows and PLs. I was actually just jumping in and doing it. So that's how yeah. I started. Eventually one person said, Hey, I, you're the dog person. Could you help me with my dog? I said, no, I'm not a trainer. Um, what's wrong with the dog? And it was a client of mine. They're like, well, I can't bring the dog out for a walk. It was a specific German shepherd named Zena. And I was like, mm. really? I was like, and, and the interesting thing is, is like, I see my, my dog walking clients like once ever, that was it. Like the consultation. And then after that, you're there every day with the dog. So you never really see him again. So it's this weird relationship that I have specifically only with the dog. 
not right. with the owners at all. They're not involved, right? It's weird. Yeah. Like I'm in their house, you know, it's just an, it's just a weird um, thing. And I, and I was really proud of myself for, for doing that because it's one of the most trusting things that you can do as a human being, in my opinion of, yeah, go, go in my house while I'm not home, while my dogs are there and, and let them out and take care of them and be responsible Absolutely. for them. I mean, it was a huge responsibility at that age, considering I had no experience as a business owner. So I really developed, made mistakes, still make mistakes. And that's how I developed my business. And that's my long story short. Um, after that, um, she basically said, you know, she's like, well, my dog's reactive. And I said, I, that's weird. I've never seen that. And I went out and she's like, why isn't my dog reactive? And I said, well, why don't you take the dog? And then the dog started reacting. And then I just helped her, coached her through. And that's how I started my whole thing. I didn't know anything about dog training at the time. I didn't know any dog trainers. I didn't watch any dog training content. And that's why I've developed into this very non-traditional, into some eyes, a very polarizing character in the dog world because I'm not a traditionally styled trained dog trainer. I don't know all of the the terms and and all of that stuff. I just I'm out here helping. That's why I hesitate to say I'm even a dog trainer because I'm just helping dogs and their owners. And so, fast forward to now, like you said, um, I'm at a different place in my career, and I'm continuing to help dogs and their owners and work really hard. I don't I don't live off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches anymore, but. <laughs> I'm still working just as hard as I did as, as I was. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love, I love your story. Thank you for sharing your story because I think, um, I think it's important, um, for people like myself who I was also hesitant to like start any of this because I was like, I'm not a dog trainer. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't know, you know, anything really. I'm still learning. Um, and so your, your story has been especially inspirational for me personally. Um, and like I told you over social media, you're the reason I started the podcast and why I've started my, my own dog training company. Um, that's amazing. So thank you for sharing and thank you for being who you are. Um, my next question for you is, um, so I know, you know, we just went over your history how did you figure out that you wanted to specifically do behavioral work? Because I know a lot of your work is specialized in behavioral stuff. The, the, the innate naturalness that it presented itself to me where again, like I wasn't out looking for dogs who were necessarily pulling on the leash. I was doing the behavioral stuff from the very get. So for me, Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I really strive to find the problem and a solution. And that's how I just got it. There was no other option. I didn't see it any other way. I wasn't like, and that's why I struggled with a dog trainer. Cause it, I think a lot of people, when you say dog trainer, traditionally will think of somebody teaching a dog obedience, right. In, in, in a yeah. traditional world of like obedience, sit down, stay, heal, whatever. And I was like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm working with a dog that doesn't like other dogs, or I'm, I'm working right. with a dog with a severe prey drive that can't walk on a leash because of their behavior. So for me, that's, that's the interesting thing that I think a lot of people don't really know. And I probably don't include and weave it in my business enough is there was no other option for me. It was, I have a problem. Mm. Can you help? Yep. I have a problem. Can you help? Yep. Hey, my dog doesn't like, nobody was coming to me for 
my dog um, doesn't sit and stay. Can you help me? It, it just never, it was word of mouth of problem, problem, problem. Solution. My dog has a problem, right? So it, it, my whole brand and my whole business was developed off of somebody having a behavioral problem with their dog and then me working with that particular dog. And of course, mm-hmm. basic obedience has a everyday role in the behavioral work that I do. But that's really what it was is I, I put so much emphasis on beha- uh, on behavioral work that that's all it became. And it sucked because like I said, being, being kind of ignorant and blind and maybe naive and almost vulnerable in the dog industry in the beginning, I didn't know the, I didn't know. I was just like, sure, I can help you. And then the people were like, holy crap, you just changed my life. I'm like, well, this is great. And then I just kept developing it. And, um, that's how it, yeah. To answer your question, that's, there just was no other option. It wasn't like, I want to become a dog trainer. So therefore I need to learn how to teach dogs to all of that. I was doing when I was like eight years old, like that was all very basic right. stuff for me. The, 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 the basic obedience that was not even on my radar of teaching. Like people are going to want to that it was. And I think it was also, there wasn't maybe a lot of people in my area that was able to do behavioral work. And so I think mm-hmm. people, I think dog owners who are looking for behavioral help are are relentless because they're trying to, can you help? Can you help? Can you help until they find the right person that actually helps them? And so that's really what it became for me was just a referral after referral after referral. And yeah, that's, and now obviously like I, I almost, almost all of my clients come to me for behavioral work because to be honest, like when clients travel from say Atlanta to New York to work with me, they're probably passing 5,000 dog trainers. I don't know. I have no idea. It could be more, it could be way more, it could be way less, but they're, they're passing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and, and all of these people can help them with basic obedience, but people are really finding me and searching for me for this certain behavioral thing. So for me, I've just, my point is, is the content that I put out and what I talk about and what I enjoy teaching about is behavior. So I think you kind of attract the people who are having behavioral problems not many people are traveling that far to work with me because their dog won't sit and stay. So, right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I feel like, I feel like you make a really excellent point about dog training and behaviorist. Um, as I mentioned before the interview started, I'm in, uh, Will Atherton's Academy. And one of the very first things he does is he defines the difference between a behaviorist and a trainer mm-hmm. um, and talks about how like, you know, a trainer instills new behaviors and reinforces new behaviors. A behaviorist modifies or changes a behavior. Um, and I, my, I actually have my very first client and it is a behavioral person. So I feel like, um, I feel like to some extent your, your point about it finding you, I also, have experienced that it very much has found me and, um, Mm -hmm. and I love helping. I love seeing the difference in a dog's behavior when, when you get it through their head that they're like, Oh, this is how we're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. And that's, that's the other thing too, that was starting to happen for me was I started, I, I specifically remember, and it's still on my YouTube way back. There was this pit bull named, um, it's a really polarizing name. I, uh, um, 
I can't remember. I will remember it, but it, it was, um, it was a dog that was having a hard time with reactivity. And so I was working with this dog and I just remember this one specific time that I literally was like, this dog clicked. Like you could see it. Like you were just saying, like the dog just clicked. And I was like, I, I just remember like my whole body just getting like chills or like, you know, like just, I was like, wow, this is like such amazing feeling. And that's again, like where it compounded like behavior. That's, I was, I'm addicted to that. Where I'm like, I, I love jumping into the ring with the dog with a behavioral problem. And so that's really, again, like I also, again, at this point in my career, we have a whole filter system, you know, we get a thousand emails and I might, I might hear about one of them that may be up my alley, you know, everything else is shifted out to the trainers and things like that. So it's just, now I'm just really focusing on developing dog owners to be better with their behavioral problems. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, who or is, or was the biggest inspiration in your training journey so far? It's a good question. I would, there's three, uh, three or four, uh, right off the bat. So, um, the real jump from me becoming a dog walker to a trainer came from a lady named Janine Lazarus, which is in West Virginia. Her business is good lad dog training. And she's probably in her sixties and so she's older than me. And I just remember I live in upstate New York and we, I was walking some dogs around this neighborhood and I saw this car and it, it said, good lad dog training, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, that's cool. And so I was like, I, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, and I wasn't really doing any, I was kind of helping out. It was just like right when I started getting requests for training and I was like super insecure about it, didn't feel comfortable with it, didn't charge anything. Cause I was like, you know, hopefully I can, I wasn't worried about ever doing anything wrong. I was just worried about not helping. And I continuing mm-hmm. to continued to help to pe- people at the time. And so there was a, Janine had this car and she would always be parked out in the places that I would walk dogs. I just see her car everywhere. So I reached out to her and I called her and I said, Hey, my name is Tom. I'm a local dog walker. I see that you're a trainer. Um, what's up? What's going on? What do you do? Like, that's cool. And she's this English lady. So she's very a matter of fact. Oh, Tom Davis. Yeah. Nice to meet you. She's, she's really <laughs> cool. Really in, in, big part of my, my come up. But um, I got to know her a little bit and, and then that was it. And then, I remember this one time and this was like, this is kind of the whole training thing. This is where everything started. I think everything happens for a reason. I had a um, young St. Bernard that passed away very young. His name was Saint. He passed away at like six to eight months. Can't really remember. He died for cardiac arrest on my lap. Tragic. It sucked. Mm. Got another dog named Thompson. Thompson was my St. Bernard and he went with me everywhere. He went to every dog walking thing. He had the best life. Young, beautiful, big St. Bernard. He went to every client with me. He was very neutral with people, very neutral with dogs, just the best. So we were, we went over these. There's a there's a dog there's a house that I would go. The dog's name is Atra, and I would go and I would get the dog out, and we'd go over these ra- railroad tracks to get to this trail. Well, Thompson would always be off leash. All my dogs were always off leash. Always, never. Well, you know what I mean. I mean, 
within an, uh, an enclosed environment as far as like, I'm not going to go downtown with my dogs off leash, uh, you know, in public places that would, I, that wouldn't be good. But anyway, so I'd be out, you know, in the trail and of course my dogs be off leash. They just always listened. Like, again, like, it's like, how did you get into it? I don't know. I just never got out of it. I was, I I just never was out of it. I just have always been, I've always been around puppies. I've always been around dogs. My dogs have always been a part of my life. They've always been off leash. They've always listened. It was just a very natural thing. So he was off leash and the train tracks were obviously narrow train tracks. And he, I was going over them to go to the trail and he started walking down them. He was about one and a half at the time. So he wasn't old, wasn't a super young puppy, but I looked at him and he just did this play bow like this. And he just play bowed me. And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Cause every, as you're, as a dog walker, you have half an hour blocks and you got to go. Right. So I'm like, come on, bud, let's go. So he play bows me. And then he just puts his butt up in the air, you know, like a pup, like just a very playful, <laughs> like, Hey, and he runs down the tracks. And I'm oh, like, no. I'm like, come on, dude. I don't have time for this. It was in the middle of the summer. The railroad tracks have uh, these planks on them. So, uh, in between the planks are big rocks, like big mm. rocks, like the size of softballs. And it's probably just to keep everything from, you know, as it shakes, it probably just holds everything together and compounds it. So he starts running and I just look to my left and I see this big light and I didn't, I oh, didn't, no. I didn't, it was just, I looked, I saw the light and I, my brain just went, I got to go get him. And that was it. The, nothing else popped in my head at that time. I'm like, this isn't the place to play. Let's get off here, dude. So I got this dog on my right and he's on a harness and we're going and I start, come on, Thompson, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he thinks it's fun. And I think part of me thinks that dogs kind of see the railroad tracks as like this tunnel vision thing where they're just like, Hey, this is a runway. We're going to go. This is a clear path. Uh, Right. They don't know. I mean, how to, maybe a dog doesn't know the difference between an, a path on the trail and and this open path in the middle of nowhere with just these weird rocks around it. Right. So maybe he's thinking this is the trail and he, and that's what he does. He's in front of me. He's always off leash. He recalls usually pretty good. So anyway, so I call him and he starts running. I see the light. I start kind of like, come on buddy. And I'm starting to get a little like, Hey, let's go. And then all of a sudden I just hear and I can start to feel rumbling and I had sandals on because it was in the summer. And again, I'm on these planks, these, they're probably two feet apart. And then in between are these rocks and I got a dog. And so he yeah. starts running and I can, and then it all clicked. Okay. There's a freaking train coming right now. So I'm running, trying not to trip on these railroad tracks. And I got a dog that's pulling me away and the dog starts pulling me away harder and harder because this train's getting closer and closer and the vibrations yeah. are getting heavier and heavier and the sound and the horn are getting louder and louder. And then I blacked out. And I jumped. So I think what I did is I jumped and I grabbed him and I rolled off and I kicked myself off and the train just vroom, right past me. I mean, a couple feet from me and the, and it's on a bank. So if you think about railroad tracks, they have a bank kind of like a tabletop mm-hmm. that come up with rocks like this. Yeah. And then on the top is the tracks. So it's built up mm-hmm. through dirt and rocks and then the tracks are on top. It elevates itself from the surrounding area. So I kick myself off and I'm looking at my feet. I'm looking at my dog's feet. I'm grabbing Thompson and he's squealing at me, barking at me, trying to bite me because I'm death gripping him. Yeah. Because I didn't want him to get up and run right 
to the train again because he would have been dead right. immediately. It would have just killed him. Not it would have taken his head clean off. And I know that that's morbid, but it's, that's that's how that's how it yeah. happened for me. Right? That was so. I'm scared shitless. I walk away. I'm looking at myself. I'm I'm in shock. So I don't know if I'm actually hurt. I don't know if I'm losing a hand. If I've lost a, a toe. If my dog. I'm in, I'm looking at myself and I and I go back to the house because I'm obviously not going to continue my walk because I'm freaking out. And I remember I just hear hey 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 yelling at me. And I turn around and there's these two guys with clipboards and they said, "Are you okay?" And I'm and I'm like, "Can you tell me if I'm okay because I can't think right now." So I'm I'm literally looking at myself. I go, "Yeah, I think I think I'm okay." And I'm I'm literally like a little kid like please like daddy help me. I'm like I don't know yeah. if I'm okay. Can you tell me if I'm, I'm in shock? So I'm like, I'm holding my arms and looking at myself, basically telling them like, I, do I look, is it, are we good? I just remember this so distinctly. So, um, they said, well, listen, you're fine, which is great because they said we have a cow pusher on the front of our train and the cow pusher comes like this. So it basically will move things off the track. So it doesn't derail the train. And it was a, they had people on the train. So they said, we got about a couple seconds or something after we can't see what's in front of this thing until we hit it. And you were in that seconds. So they said, mm. we were so close from hitting you. This is actually a, a deceased form that we were coming to fill out because we thought we hit you. And I'm like, <gasps> yeah, okay, well I'm good. So thank you. And I'm just like freaking out. Right. Um, so why, why do I tell you this story? This is why I tell you this story. So when we talk about e-collars, we talk about tools, we talk about off-leash control. This is why it gets real for me, right? Because I've experienced this firsthand, not only for my own life, but I decided to save my dog's life instead of watch him get squished in front of me. So this is where Janine comes back in. So I called Janine. I said, Janine, I'd really like to hang out with you (laughs) more. I said, you know, I had this scare with my dog and she said, well, yeah. And and I read on her website that she does e-collar training, off-leash training. And she, um, she actually trained, she was one of the head trainers over at Monks and New Skeet here in New York. Um, okay. they've, they've wrote plenty of books, uh, and they do a lot of e-collar training. So I started looking into it and I knew it was off leash training. I, I knew nothing about it, but after that experience, I was like, Hey, I want to talk. So she was very friendly and she was very open. She said, come and watch me train. I, I train it. She didn't have a facility. She did in home. She goes, I train at this facility, you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays, whatever. So I met there and I watched her train. And then in, in return, I would help her do whatever, you know, be a demo. And she would, so then she started teaching me, um, with Thompson, the e-collar and it was a dog, tra, old dog, tra, NCP, something or other. Um, this was many, 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 many years, 10 years ago plus maybe. Yeah. 10, 10 plus years ago. So I'm like, wow. And then she taught me how to do e-collar training. So low level mm-hmm. stimulation, the dog gets it, the dog gets it, the dog, the dog gets it. Okay, great. And then if for some reason the dog ignores you, like he did with the train, you go up, the dog comes back. I'm like, this is the most amazing thing ever. Holy crap. I love yeah. this. And then I started saying like, wow. And I started working with that. Um, he was also, Thompson was kind of like this free spirit. And she's like, you know, if you're going to be working with him around here with us, you need to have him a little bit tighter. Cause he was kind of this like off leash Colorado life type dog. And so I was like, mm-hmm. well, he's 150 pounds, Janine, what am I supposed to do? She said, well, let me show you a prong collar. I said, what is it? She's, and, and I, I'm going to be completely transparent honest. I, I didn't care what it was. I was just like, I never had any ill intention. Like I was like, Oh, I, I think this thing is going to suck. It looks spiky. It looks scary. I didn't care. I was like, what is it? I always had an open mind for things. What is it? She's like, well, 
see when he pulls and she taught me the e-collar, she taught me the prong collar. And I'm like, this makes so much sense. And I saw the success that she was making with her, her client's life. So I shadowed her long ass story short. Sorry, but that's kind of, I always have to give the, the homage and respect to my, how I started. And that's how I started. And it was this very organic thing with Dogtra, this very organic thing with the fact that me and my dog almost got pummeled by a train. And that's yeah. why I have never looked back on this is not only life changing, but it's life saving. So yeah. Janine is how I really started getting into training with dogs um, and using different types of equipment for the different types of dogs that I had, which made a world of difference for my, my, um, my dog walking clients. Cause mm-hmm. my dog walking clients, um, I still have some lower back issue from getting dragged everywhere when I was mm. dog walking. And so getting introduced to the prong collar and different types of equipment and the e-collar allowed my off-leash dogs to, to be reliably off-leash in the fields and all this stuff. So yeah. that was kind of my, she was my first person that really brought me in and told me and educated me about these things. And I, I'll never be able to pay her back for that. But Janine, um, Mike Jones, kind of similar from Primal Canine and, and uh, kind of in your area, actually, Morgan Hill area, Bay Area, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I found him on Instagram many, 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 10 plus years ago. I said, hey, man, I love what you're doing. Um, I'd love for an opportunity to come out and chat with you. And I was already doing seminars with this company called Pet Tech, which is a pet CPR and first aid course. I was an instructor, so I would travel and do um, CPR and first aid courses. So I was, I was like, hey, I'm going to be in L.A., doing this course. Again, this is t- probably eight to 10 years ago ish mm-hmm. and a long time ago. And so he said, yeah, man, come on over. So I went and I visited his facility and I saw what he was doing and I'll never forget it because when Mike picked me up from the airport, he's like, Hey, um, and I, I've never met this man ever. He didn't know me at all. And I was like, yeah. Hey, can I come hang out with you? He's like, yeah, man, I'll pick you up at LAX at four. Look for the black Mercedes. And I'm like, black Mercedes. I'm like, you're a dog trainer. I'm like, you got a black Mercedes. I'm like, that's badass. Cool. I knew I liked this guy. So he did. He picked me up in this black Mercedes at four o'clock at LAX. And he took me to his facility and he just, I just watched him. And I was like, dude, this is great. This is great. Nobody's doing this back at home for sure. You know, I I watched how Janine kind of operated. I saw how Mike operated two ends of the spectrum, traditional versus not. Um, so Mike Jones is another big piece of my, my puzzle, um, still is, we're still great friends. We work with each other at least once a year. Uh, and then Janine also introduced me to Michael Ellis and cause when I started getting into training and Janine was like, just, just go watch Michael's stuff. Just don't leave your room. Turn on. She's like, she's like a <laughs> parental figure to me, to be honest. Like she just really, yeah. she really taught me, um, she was tough. She was tough on me. She's a hard ass. Like she's British. And so she doesn't put up mm. with any shit. She tells you. So she said, you are going to get in trouble because you're going to get into situations where you don't know what you're doing and you need to go and watch more before you train. And I said, I know, I know I've been, you know, so she, so she introduced me to Michael, um, which obviously was, um, he's just uh, a legend. And, um, mm. so I just, wa- I remember there was this one, this is one thing that I watched Michael do that really, helped me get confident in what I was doing was this dog, big Rottweiler, German shepherd type of dog jumped mm-hmm. on this owner and the the dog is on her shoulders like this. And she looks at Michael and she goes, do I correct this? Or is this okay? He goes, hell yeah, correct this. Do you want your dog on your shoulders? <laughs> she goes, no. And she corrected me, got down. I'm like, I, I love, that's it. 
I go, yes. Right. I go, this is dog training. This is fun. This is how it should be. And, he, and, he, and everyone laughed in the room. I was like, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, God, that makes so much sense, right? I hear that all the time yeah. about some of my videos. I'm like, man, that makes that's how Michael is and was for me. So, um, and then I and then through Michael's videos, I found Force Mickey, um, which is now one of my buddies. I'm actually in the yeah. room that he s- stays in when he visits New York, and um, yeah. So that those were those are my people um, now, and uh, how I got off. And and I, I wanted to dive into that in particular because I. I learned a lot from them and I think it's important for people to do what I did because I don't think I'd be where I'm at at all if I didn't put my neck out there and say, Hey Mike, can I come see the shit you're doing? This looks amazing. And then I was motivated yeah. to come and start my own thing. So I think it's important on those types of situations to get granule of like, okay, I know you said Mike Jones, but how, how did you, how, how did you do that? That's how yeah. I did it. Just DM'd him yeah. and the rest is history. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's a part of being an entrepreneur in a lot of ways is just putting like just stepping out and putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Janine. Janine sounds like my kind of lady. Like she sounds like somebody that I would get along with famously. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She uh, she's she's amazing. She's really helped me out. She, she you know she's she was tough and and that's 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 what I needed was somebody tough. Yeah. So anyway. I love those stories. Thank you so much for, for sharing. Um, you mentioned Thompson and I know that Thompson recently passed mm-hmm. and I, I, that breaks my heart cause he, he seemed like such a wonderful dog. Um, but what are your other dogs names? I only have one. I only have one. Um, so I have Lakota. She's my Dutch. She's my six year old Dutch shepherd and yeah, that's her. Yeah. She's gorgeous. I watching her responsiveness in videos was something that like, I looked at that and I was like, um, my older dog storm, who is the black and white in this photo. I don't know how well you can see that, but, um, my older dog storm is two and I saw Lakota and how well, like how attuned she is to your body language and to your commands. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that is what Mm -hmm. I want storm to do. I hear that. Um, I, I hear that a lot, which is awesome. So that's, that's good to hear. That's good to hear that she's motivating. My other dog, Jubilee, who is um, just turned one back in May. um, I think I'm going to start doing your competitive heel series with her because she's, she sounds a little bit more like Thompson personality wise. She's very like, she responds to the e-collar, but she's very like, I'm just going to go over here and do this stuff. And I'm like, no, ma'am, you need to come over here. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, some dogs are just like that, and that's the fun part. I, I I don't know. I think that's the fun part about working with dogs is you get you get to go down those paths with certain dogs. You're like, yeah, this isn't your gig, huh? And they're like, nah, not really. Okay, <laughs> great. yeah. Next, yeah, yeah. I I'm a big proponent of finding what works for your dog because I think um, something that I have found in a lot of dog spaces is like, you have to do it this way and you have to do it. And I'm yeah. like, that doesn't work for every dog. That's not, yeah. that's not functional. That's like, that's like, um, I was one of those kids that like, when I, when I was in school, I didn't do well with like the time tests, but if you put me in front of a paper and let me work on everything myself, I would ace it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I equate a lot of like, 
mm-hmm. that you have to do it this way to to similarly the way we teach kids sometimes is like not every kid learns the same, not every dog learns the same. And so you just, you have to find what works best for you and your dog. Yeah. Well, I think that's, yeah, same, same. I was, uh, excuse me. I was, um, I was in like a lot of special education classes in high school and in middle school mm-hmm. throughout my education. Cause I just, I, I was like that. Like I, I, I would, I would either speed through a test to get it done because I didn't care about it, or I would be too distracted to take it. And so I was the mm-hmm. same way. I, I, I needed a very, very um, creative. That's why I got close to my teachers. I think so much is because they knew it was in there. They're like, but can yeah. you just try? I'm like, nah, I don't like this. <laughs> so yeah, it's I, not I can, fun. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely agree with that. I think that that's. That's just like the the fun. I, I think that's the funnest thing about working with dogs is you just never know what's going to happen, and yeah. to to have a to have a very strict criteria or a box to fit into kind of takes the fun out of mm. working with dogs because you're like this. These are the only things that can happen because these are my policies, and it's like, but uh, but what if things go past that, or what if thing goes over yeah. that, or or to the left of that, or to the right of that, then then you're just stuck pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to me, I'm like, let's just, let's just figure it out, you know? And let's have fun doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that's, um, so to give you a little bit of background, I, I am actually a theatrical professional. I'm a technical director, uh, currently as my day job. And I've been in theater for the last 10 ish years. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts of theater is like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's not like going to the movies where it's the same film every single time. It's, you don't know, like, you don't know if the set piece is going to break randomly in it, you know, in a safe or unsafe way. You don't know if automation is going to work correctly, you know? Um, and it's the, the fun part is figuring out how to make things work when stuff goes wrong. So I think, uh, I think dog training in a, in a lot of ways is very similar for me in that respect is the fun part is figuring out how, how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just get that, that that's what really keeps my motivation going is the creativity part. And I find myself every day saying something new or mm-hmm. saying something, the same thing in a different way. And I'm like, Ooh, and I'll yeah. say it out loud. I go, this is the first time I'm saying it this way. Or I'll say, I've never said it like this, or I'll say, I'm making this up as I go, but I think this is going to work. Like I always say that out loud because it keeps the, I just don't like being stagnant. And I mean, like anything else in life, whether you're an athlete or uh, a musician or you're an actor or you're an artist in any way, shape or form where you have the creativity, innate ability to work with the subject that's in front of you and, and make it better or make it beautiful. I think having that box to say, this is your limitations. These are your policies abide by them. And that's it. And I like that wouldn't work in most creative artistic things, even baseball, golf, playing the guitar. Somebody was like, Hey, you're a traditional style, um, guitar player, which means you can't, you can't play this chord or you can't play a non-existent chord. It's like, yeah, but it sounds cool. It doesn't matter. You can't play it. Cause it's not traditional or it's not in the, it's not in the book, you know? And it's like, yeah. I'm out peace. And that's why I, tra- yeah. that's why I train and teach the way that I do. I get a lot of shit for it. I didn't realize there was politics in dog training until 
I started putting out content, but it sucks that that's a thing that somebody's being creative and trying different things and trying to find different ways to speak to this dog or speak to this dog owner and finding great success and and to have to have that be a negative thing or have that be a bad thing in some people's eyes is is quite remarkably uh interesting let's say yeah yeah no that's part of the reason that I started heart of the dog was um I felt like there wasn't a good space for people to come and get solid information that was reliable every single time. Um, my older dog storm has a lot of health issues. She recently was diagnosed with IBS and it was literally the first two years of her life was constant, like, you know, GI attacks and having to figure out like what worked and what didn't. And I, I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of hours I put into figuring out like how to go about figuring out the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, So part of the reason that I started Heart of the Dog was because I wanted a constructive safe space for people to have these kinds of conversations that maybe aren't comfortable but are necessary. Uh Um, And so I think where you and I align a lot on on what we want is we – I I hear a lot from you about like – toxic spaces, um, with dog, with dog relation or dog related content. And, um, and I think where you and I align really well is that we're trying to put out positivity into those spaces and, and to not be those negatives. We're trying to, um, create something better for dogs and their owners. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's one of the big places where, where our visions align a lot. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if you can hear some of these bubbles that popped up on my screen, but I'm trying to get one of the girls downstairs to bring me a laptop charger. Um, oh, no worries. So I, I don't know if you heard that. I was just texting them via iMessage because I don't have my phone either. But anyway, yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, I can. I, I can. I can get pretty deep on it. But I. I. It, it's something that is. I think as far as the toxicity. I mean, think about. Any, I, th- here's the way I envision it is I, I, as, as I don't, I try not to take things personal. I try not to take any of that stuff seriously. I try to zoom all the way out and yeah. look at, look at any situation. What cooks hot dog. So Lakota came up to see me. I, Thanks. I look at any situation with any space. Just got a charger delivered. Hold on one second. Let me plug this baby in. No worries. That way we don't lose you. But I think any, 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 anything, sports, baking, politics, uh, education, childcare, candle making, uh, Corvette connoisseurs, uh, uh, penmanship. I think any, any industry that you're in, any organization that you're in, any, anything that you're in, I think that there's going to be, a a, a a left and a right. There's going to be people over here, or maybe a left, a right, a center, a down and up and A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So that's one thing that I always take into consideration is when you're, when you're working with dogs, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of compassion 
I think the dog training industry itself has a lot of ego in it. And this is something that I openly talk about often because I am a big creator, meaning my content is distributed to 10 million people every 20 days. So I get a lot of different things coming at me, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And so it's, it's something, again, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is every industry, no matter what you're doing, is going to have somebody that is going to say, no, that's not how you do it. This is how you do it, no matter what you do. And the way that I present myself is sometimes uncomfortably confident for some people where I will talk to a dog owner and there's two cameras on me that I don't even, I forget that they're there. I'm talking to the dog owner because that's what they paid me to do. Yeah, And I'll say, this is why your dog is doing this because of this. And then I'll put out, I got one. Thanks. I can have two though. I can have two chargers. (laughs) Thanks. So I got two chargers now. So yeah. So this is, these are the things that I think I, I try to really think for myself is I handle it as a very confident person in my content. And when I put it out, there's some people that are like, I'm not trying to say this is the only way to do it. This is how you have to do it. I'm particularly saying that there's a dog in front of me that's exhibiting maybe this behavior. Mm -hmm. And here's what we're going to do to try to help fix, modify. And by the end of that video, the dog owner is like, wow, this is amazing. What great progress. I'm so happy that I came here because I thought that I was going to have to X, Y, or Z, put my dog down, get rid of my dog, never walk my dog again, put my dog on medication, you name it. And they're like, now I don't have to do that. This is amazing. And I'll put that out there. And I put content out. This is the most important thing. I put content out for dog owners who are struggling with their dog. I don't put content out for other dog trainers to um, argue or agree with me. I don't put content out for dog trainers to duet me, to, to tell me that they are wrong and I am right. And I think that that's, that's one problem that I think I have is I put out stuff that is so confident that other people are like, really don't like it. And so anyway, so that's one thing I've been thinking about recently. I'm like, Maybe I should put a disclaimer up to say, this is my experience. This is my opinion. This is, this is the way that I train. This is the way that I teach. And yeah. if it helps you go with it, if it doesn't, don't, don't watch it. It's not applicable. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing because like I said, it's, it's a, it's, I think if you were to say that there's two sides in the dog training world, it would be historically like the balanced dog training community. And then the positive only dog training community. I would, I would say like clearly. And I didn't know that ever until I started putting out content and I would change a dog's life or I would change a dog owner's life or even save a dog's life, like not change it, but save it. Yeah. Cause I did some shelter work. And when I got messages and comments about, well, how did you do it? Or you shouldn't have used this. I'm like, but, and I got, and I still to this day get like flabbergasted. I'm like, I'm so confused on the, th- I'm a, I'm a professional in my field. 
I don't know it all. I'm a, I'm a evolving constant student. I learn something new every day. I make a mistake every day, but because I have this bigger audience, I think I'm a target because people think that I think I know it all and I don't. And I, and I openly say that all the time. I'm like, if I can take this one 30 second clip and put it out there and help one person, I don't care how many messages I get about the slip collar was too tight or the treats were over, over fattening and the dog is going to have diarrhea or the lady shouldn't have owned a dog and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, I'm trying to help dogs. And it's this very weird, like you said, toxic space where it's a, I'm right grab. And I'm like, I'm not putting out content to prove that I'm right or to prove that I'm better or to prove that I'm X, Y, or Z. I simply put out a piece of content because if somebody at home can be sitting in their bed, drinking a cup of tea and say, this is amazing. This has helped my vision and my understanding of my dog so much. And it's developed a better relationship. That's all I care about. And I think if that message was you know, maybe I should focus more on that than anything else. But anyway, yeah, it's, I could go on all day about that whole thing because it's, it's a thing. And it's sad because there's, there's dog trainers that are really trying to help. And there's dog trainers that are a thousand times better than me, in my opinion, that can be putting out content, but they don't because they don't want to, they don't want to be a target and they don't want somebody to shit in their Cheerios and they don't want hate emails and they don't want these comments and that sucks because those types of people are ruining the the whole goal of helping dogs. That's why like social media can be such a good thing, but it's more cruel than anything, I think. Yeah, social media in and of itself in the dog space is uh, one of my <laughs> least favorite things. Not because it's not helpful or useful, but because there are so many times I actually had a friend send me a video yesterday where... Um, the trainer was trying to communicate the fact that you should not use a command to get your dogs to wait at a threshold. You should instead teach them the threshold means nothing without your okay. Mm -hmm. And he did not communicate it very clearly in the video. And, um, the person messaged me and was like, am I crazy or is this really confusing? And I was like, no, it's very confusing. Um, I, you know, he's not really explaining how to fix the problem. He's just pointing out that it could be a problem. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. um, and then another friend who, who is a trainer who is um, actually the first trainer that I hired to work with my dog storm. And I, um, she put out a similar video, but it actually like explained like, look, this is, this is how you teach that. And this is the goal of what we're teaching. Um, and I sent it back to that friend and I was like, this is a much better example of what you were mm-hmm. looking at earlier. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I think, uh, yeah, I think social media has the potential to be really great uh, in a lot of ways for a lot of owners who are struggling. But I also think it's uh, it's also dangerous because you can't, mm-hmm. there are certain things you can't leave with no nuance just on on the internet without explanation because if you're using if you're using training jargon or um, if you're using terms that mean something else in real life, but are specific to dog training, like luring, um, you know, 
and and you're using it in a certain tone or fashion and you're you know dogging on it or promoting it you're not giving everybody the full story and that's not that's not education that's just promoting mm-hmm. how you think it should be used which i have a problem with personally <laughs> yeah well yeah and I, and to me as the consu- i always think about the consumer the consumer is the dog owner so mm-hmm. that's why it's hard for me like when i cuz people send me videos all the time of people sure like taking a video of mine completely out of context, mm. taking audio of mine completely out of context and mm. my arms are tied behind my back because yeah. I put out a piece of information that was helpful to the, the dog that was in front of me at the time. And I put it out there to the world to hopefully it hits home with somebody else. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Yeah. But there's certain people that will see these things and then like take things out of context and then get a dog out. That's their personal dog in a, in a blank room with nothing going on and say, here's how you do it. And I'm like, I've only seen like one or two in the last six months. Cause I don't, that's why I'm very filtered in social media for these reasons. Cause mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about it. Cause I'm like, you just took something completely out of context and, and like any, like the media, like anything with media, right. They said like, yeah, you know, whatever. And it makes, it makes that person look bad or it makes me look bad. And it's like, right. my hands are tied. Cause I can't say anything because I don't want to talk to you about this because this isn't a conversation. I put that piece of information out there that that person traveled all that way to help me with. And it did help them. And it's also for the people who can, and that's, that's, that's what I was saying is because I put stuff yeah. out. I think you, the way that I try to see it again, is I try to think of the psychology and I've had some of my clients, um, actually recently, say, you know, I watched this one video of this one person talking about you in a, in a not particularly good way. And she was like, mm-hmm. she's a, she's a, she's, she's a um, psychologist, like a behavioral psychologist. And she was saying, mm-hmm. she's like, you do know. And she went through the whole process of like how, why people do this and how human beings do this. And their, mm-hmm. the immediate thought, re- it's a, re- it's actually not, it's a response. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, re- it's, or I'm sorry, it's a reaction, not a response. So mm-hmm. It's interesting, like I know these things, but sometimes when people are saying things that are so out of context, it's not even, it's almost borderline slander where my attorneys have to get involved, where I'm like, you just completely, no, 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 no. But then I realized that 200 people who also, you know, like whatever, I'm like, it's not a big deal, but it, it does suck and it is, it is toxic. And to me, the way, here's how I think about it. Again, I think about it. Is it going to matter in five days? No. Okay. Is it going to dismember like my potential of helping dogs? No. So I don't really care about it. But I also think of like, if I was on social media and I saw something that I didn't agree with, Mm -hmm. that maybe I thought differently about, Mm -hmm. that maybe I taught differently as a professional, there's absolutely no way I would then, because it's, you gotta, you gotta realize how emotionally flustered somebody has to be to see something and then immediately make a video to not only tell their audience how that person is wrong and how they're right, but the emotion behind it is stacking that they're upset 
that it's, it's, they're not, it's just, it's a whole emotional thing. It's hard to explain, but you got to think like, you know what I mean? Like imagine waking Mm -hmm. up beautiful cup of coffee, beautiful day out. Like I just did out by my pool, relaxing. My dogs are going, my Lakota's running around. The birds are chirping. Life is good. And then Mm -hmm. I go on say TikTok or Instagram and I see a reel that goes against I think the sky is blue and this person's like, the sky is red and here's how I can tell you why. I'm going to keep yeah. scrolling. I'm going to be like, right. eh, more power to you. And I'm not, I swear on my life, that's the way that my brain works. I don't think twice about, huh, I don't, I don't like argue. I'm like, that person is going to find people that also want to talk about the sky being red and they can create their own community and they can do their own yeah. thing. And God bless you good luck. But I just can't imagine me being like, hold up. Let me put, let me put my, my yogurt down, hang up my (laughs) swimming trunks, go in, march inside, get behind a, get behind a screen and say, can you believe I just, it's so much (laughs) stress. And like, it gives me anxiety to even, because I don't like conflict. I don't want conflict. Mm. I don't, I don't see the purpose of it in that. I don't see the benefit of that because it's not about the dogs. It's about somebody having an ego and them saying, this is the way that should be done. And then somebody else saying, I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it. And it goes against their policies. And they immediately take, they take action because it, it, it disrupts their ego because their people think that, and it, and it's an internal thing. And don't get me wrong, being a, being a dog trainer, with, with all the, all the, um, comments and emails and DMS of people saying like, this is the best, you know, you've changed my life. Like it's easy to get an ego in the dog industry. It's very easy because everybody around you wants your help. It doesn't matter if it's Justin Bieber or it's Doja cat or it's bill next door. You go outside and people know you're a dog trainer and you're a good dog trainer. People are like, they want to be around you. They want to ask you questions. Mm -hmm. They want to welcome you into their home. They want to fly you to this place to work with their dog. It's a, it's an easy thing to get carried away on like, but I have to always remind myself and check myself that I'm just a dog lover that was fortunate enough to create a community of no bad dog peeps that understand that we are here. We are, we are only here on this world in this life once, and I'm not going to argue and punch down and, and duet somebody on social media and tell, tell everyone that this person's wrong. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. But I, I think that I would hope that the general public of dog owners look at some of these other people that sit in front of their screens all day and talk shit about other dog, other people, just other people talk about all these nasty things. I hope people really see through that and go, I'm not sure if I really want to take teaching lessons for somebody who half of the, the lesson is just talking. And, and I'm, and I can, I can do that in some of my videos myself where I'll say, there's some camps who believe in this, but I don't believe in that because of this reason, but I'll never ever at somebody or distinctively, you know, it just is so stressful for me. I don't know. I could go all day about, I think the mechanics of why these things happen. And I think it comes from emotion and ignorance. I just can't see myself. Somebody goes, I'll never use a prong collar because of these reasons. I'll go cool. And I'll keep scrolling. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like I can't, 
I can't imagine just taking the time out of my day, turning on my camera, spending the energy and time that I don't have a lot of in the day to begin with to fight somebody that I don't even know about something that is out of context for people for to their benefit. It's a selfish thing in my opinion. And I think, and if I got an email from somebody and said, Hey Tom, I, I respectfully disagree on these things. I would be like, Hey, that's awesome. I, I really encourage you to keep going out and speaking to people that make sense for you and your audience. And I want you to keep creating and doing such a good job. And the people that you're going to get to watch your content or they're going to, you're going to cater to them. You're going to be valuable to them. And that's totally cool. I respect that, but it's a weird place, man, where people are like entitled to, I am right and you're wrong. Yeah, for sure. Tell like Jimi Hendrix, he's wrong at playing the guitar because he did it differently than everyone else. (laughs) Right. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to back up a little bit. You mentioned that you've worked with shelters um, and I, I have followed a couple of your projects. I followed when you went to um, uh, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to touch on your work with shelters um, and get a little bit of backstory about like, you know, what kind of work you do with them and how you got involved with shelters in the first place. Well, obviously shelters is, is an accumulation of my whole brand of no bad dogs. They're all in there because of their owners and because of the situation that they were dealt with. So I have a really strange relationship with shelters for two big reasons. First reason is it's very hard for me to walk into a shelter, um, being somebody that professionally changes dogs behavior to make them the best dog they can be. And then seeing all Mm -hmm. those dogs struggling is tough for me. It's like an overwhelming thing that's hard for me. Like I, I really, it, it drains me emotionally to be there because I just want to help. And the other thing is, it's just the politics that go involved with it. I've dealt with it. Um, I dealt with it enough times to not offer my services to shelters unless they invite me. So mm. I've been in situations in my earlier career where I had quite a bit of free time where I would email and contact shelters locally and say, Hey, I'd love to help. I'm a trainer and I'm trying to help. And I would, they would say, well, how are you going to do it? And I'm like, and I get it. Totally understand somebody off the streets. Like, I'm like, well, I just would like take it as I go. And then I was an animal control officer for a little bit. So being in the shelter, I, I saw some of the things and I just remember some dogs being euthanized Mm. Um, because of their beliefs more than helping the dog. And that's where I drew the line with shelters because I saw dogs that were getting killed because there were in-house trainers that unfortunately were not equipped and or experienced enough to handle such dogs where I was very eager and very comfortable to get into the ring with these dogs because it's my absolute whole life and I couldn't Mm. access them because of certain politics that go with the shelter and they were killed because of it. And so at that point I drew the line because I have to realize that I'm at a point in my career where I am a creator and me helping a dog owner is 
the micro, but putting a camera on me and then distributing it to millions of people is the macro. And I've realized that if I fight these little battles, even though it's life or death for some dogs, that means that the other millions and millions of other dogs out there that aren't going to see, you know, their owners aren't going to see my footage because I'm sitting there fighting, fighting a local shelter of like, please, can you please like, please let me help. And it's yeah. not even to that point. I, I, I shouldn't say it that like binary. It's just, it's a, it's, it's not like they wouldn't let me in or they wouldn't let me train. I was just like, can we create a program? Can you guys? So we did. I remember, and this is, this is a specific time with a local shelter that mm. we were doing this program um, with the dog. The no, it was my first no bad dog shelter program. So if you go way back on my YouTube, you'll see a dog named Chloe that was dropped off because she was bouncy. And she was excited. She was like a Rottweiler boxer mix. And the shelter okay. called me and they're like, Hey, we love your stuff. You're so motivating. Um, could you please come in and help us with some dogs that we're having a hard time with? And I would say, I'd be, I would love, it's my community. I'm like, please, yes, please let me come in. I would pay. I was like, I, I will pay you to let me come in there and help some of these dogs. So uh, I went in and, and, um, this dog was basically, she was jumping and grabbing at people's, um, coats mm. and I went in and I put a slip leash on her. I corrected her twice. She never jumped again and she got adopted out the very next week or something like that. And she's living her happiest life ever. And then something happened where it was a change of board members within the shelter. Cause it's all a volunteer based thing. And mm. I remember they were like, Hey, we're going to go bring the, so we ended up doing this couple week program where I opened up my entire facility. This was, I don't know, five years ago, five, six years ago. I opened up my entire facility to the volunteers. I said, come in, bring me whatever dog you want. I'll show you what I think. I'll get them out of that environment. We'll run them in my fenced in yard. We'll run them on the treadmill. Let's get some energy out. Let's get some prey drive out. Let's see what this dog needs. And all these, all these sheltered people are just sweet people that, just love dogs. They're not professionals. They've never seen a, an aggressive dog. They've never seen a reactive dog. They don't know how to deal with it. They've never seen equipment. They don't know anything about the four quadrants. They know nothing. They're just dog lovers. And I yeah. said, I'd love to help you. We created this program where they brought me dog after dog after dog and they were getting adopted. And then they shifted, they shifted board members and they said, we're just going to stick to our in-house trainers. And I remember they said, well, the in-house trainer can't help with this particular dog. And I remember the director emailed my manager specifically and said, we need to get you this dog, but we can't tell anybody because the dog will probably be euthanized because of the politics that were going on. So they literally mm -hmm. had to sneak this dog out and I had to meet this dog at the shelter. They're like, no cameras. I'm like, fine, I don't give a shit. I'm like, let me just help. So we ended up training the dog and I think the dog got adopted and that was it. But I really was just disgusted that I was giving and donating my time and my energy and my compassion to this organization. And all the volunteers were on the same page. They were like so happy and so grateful because they, they see what I'm doing in, in, in the other world of not just mm -hmm. my community. And they were like, you know, and then, yeah. And then that's where I kind of cut ties with shelters in general of reaching out because after that I was like, that's just disgusting that dogs are being put down because of the egos of certain people within the board. And I don't know if they're 
what their training style was. I'm not saying it was left or right. I'm just saying that when you euthanize a dog because of your own political belief of something that you've never been in as a professional, yeah. uh, I can't, I can't be associated with that, unfortunately. So I went back to, you know, filming twice as much and putting out more content to help people that really need help. And that's, that's it, right? Like you put out a piece of content on the internet for people who need and want help. That's it. Yeah. It's not, it's not out there for debate. It could be, but that's not why I do things. I just like, I send it out to the universe. I'm like, go help people. Go on, my yeah. my, my love. Go, be free. <laughs> Hopefully, you hit on the right the right iPads or the right phones. I'm like, that's how I look at it. And after that yeah. whole experience, but the KC Pet Project was a situation where they invited me out. Um, I was working with a client that lived in KC that was a had has a great deal of involvement with the KC Pet Project, and um, they said, hey, you you guys should really take advantage of Tom being in KC because he's here a lot training. And they loved, they loved the idea. They were lovely people. I went in and I specifically worked. I said, give me all the dogs that are going to die now. And I got all of them out. And awesome. Yeah. And I tr- not only worked with all of those dogs, but I answered the questions that the, the dog training staff couldn't piece together. And we worked mm. and we worked together on it. And I did public speaking events there for them and with them. And it was beautiful. And people walked That's away amazing. with knowledge. Dogs got adopted. Dogs got it. There was a dog specifically that was going to die because it was mm. running out of the kennel and he was too big and he was too powerful. And I introduced him to a Herm Springer 3.0 prong collar. And that prong collar saved that dog's life. And that was my experience with Casey Pet Project. It's one of the most beautiful dog establishments I've ever been in, um, air conditioning, um, ventilation, grooming center, vet center, uh, training centers. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's awesome. That makes my job easier. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my shelter experience thus far. (laughs) It's a a lot. That's why I says like, it's an interesting relationship I have because I, I, I'm eager to go in there and just let me help. And then it's like, there's a lot of red tape. And to me, that's weird. Yeah. I'm like red tape. What? You know, yeah. it's not like, it's not like, let me prove to you. I'm just like, let's just talk, see what's up. Let's get these dogs yeah. out. Let's talk about it. And it's weird that there's red tape of saving dogs lives. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I agree. But I love I love the story of the KC Pet Project. I was following. I was a fan by that point, so I was following during that whole saga, and I got to see a lot of your stories and, and videos around it. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Like I said, I was just like so like like if I can get my hand, if I can like figuratively get in there and hmm. like I can't walk in there and not help. So that's why I don't yeah. go in. That's what I was saying earlier. Right. But if they if they let their doors open and they're open. Cause I don't want to step in anybody's toes too. I mean, as weird as that may sound like I am not the guy, like if you hire me, I will come in and do everything I can to, to make a good impact and help dogs. But I am not the guy, like there's people like that, that'll, I'm a dog trainer. Let me help everybody. Like I am, if you find my page and you resonate with it and it helps welcome. If you don't, that's okay move on. But there's some people that are like over the top with it. And I think that, that, I don't know, that's just not me. So anyway, so getting invited into a place like that to say, Hey, 
we're opening up our doors. We trust you. Do whatever you need to do. And we saved a lot of dogs. And I think we helped a lot of the trainers there save more dogs. So it was a beautiful thing. I'm glad that you got to um, watch that because that was, I mean, it's life changing for those those dogs that have been sitting in that shelter for six to 12 months that have don't have homes and are locked up in cage, you know, in these, in these kennels because their owners were silly or ignorant or whatever they itch. I mean, that those dogs are still in their homes living their best life right now because of that one weekend that that not only I did, but so many other people go out there and do these things. And you got to, that's the way I look at it is, is that dog is out there sleeping on a bed out of that shelter because of that one push that one weekend that we all said, Hey, let's help these dogs. And that's amazing to me. Yeah, no, that is amazing. And I, I love, I love that story. And I, I can relate very much to the sentiment of, you know, wanting to help as many dogs as you can. Yeah. Um, you, one of the things that you, um, that you talk about a lot is you don't call yourself a trainer. You call yourself a canine educator. You also talk about, um, the philosophy of unlimited dog training and using, you know, any and all means that work to get the results that you're after. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get your, your take on how does the philosophy of unlimited dog training play into handling tough clients or clients that are maybe a little more resistant to, um, balanced training methods? Uh, yeah, good question. So the unlimited versus limited is something that forced Mickey presented to me because he said, mm-hmm. um, Hey, this is how I think this really is. And Forrest is, if you've watched any of his stuff or any of his seminars or anything, he's a very, very intelligent, cerebral type, like thorough, in-depth type of human. And him and I balance each other out because I'm all gas and no brakes and he is all brakes and a little bit of gas when needed. <laughs> and we recently just did a seminar together and it was, we, we, it was like peanut butter and jelly. It was amazing. We just, where, where I wasn't good at, he was, it was amazing. But Forrest actually presented that information to me and said, Hey, I think you should popularize this. Right. And I said, sure. And here we are. So that, that worked. So the, so, I mean, think about it. If you, again, think about any, any type of service, if you have a limit on the things that you can do, it doesn't matter if it's tools or um, the way that you teach, your reward system, uh, et cetera. Any limitations. I think that I, by definition, you're, you're limited to what you can do. Mm-hmm. So if somebody came in and said, I have a deaf dog that I want to train completely off-leash, but they're not responding to X, Y, or Z, and you're limited to what you can do. Not only are you limited to your philosophy and also the style that you train and your creativity opportunities to kind of go outside of the box to say, let's try this, let's try that. Or you have something in your head that stops you of like, wait, this, whatever. I think that that's limiting not only to yourself, 
but the dog or the creature that's in front of you. Because you're only as good as your teacher, in my opinion, right? Like if you go somewhere to learn and if you're a trainer and somebody pays you their money that they worked for to teach you and you have a limitation to what you can and can't do, or you have very strict protocols of the four quadrants of how animals learn of only using one of them or two of them out of the four, or even specifically tool usage of three things, four things, or whatever, you're limited. You're a limited service to that person. Mm. Pool guy just came, right? To service my pool. I have a saltwater pool. What if he showed up and said, I only do chlorine pools? I'd say, Mm. so you can't help? I don't have the tools for that. I'd say, so you're limited, right? You're limited to what you can do. I can't hire you, therefore I can't get help. So you are limited. You're limiting your clients. And unlimited is the exact opposite of all four quadrants, all sorts of different tools and techniques and exercises and creativity. I'm not saying that if you're a limited dog trainer, you're not creative. I want to be fair. But what I'm saying is, is if a dog goes to you that goes outside of your limits or your limitations of what you can and can't do, you are limited. And if you don't have limits and you don't, like if a dog comes to me, I'm not going to sit back and say, here's the three things I can do. If it doesn't work, it's either avoidance or it's sometimes euthanasia or it's robbing somebody's money sometimes. And that goes for both ends of the spectrum. There's, there's some people that I don't know. I I, I don't want to be unfair and um, whatever, but I'm just saying that that is the, that is the traditional path roadmap of somebody presents you with something. You say, Hey, I, I, I don't work on this. I can't do this. This is, then you are limited. And, and I personally don't see any problem with that as long as you're honest about it or you accept that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's the kind of the idea behind unlimited and limited that was presented to me by force. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. And I think there's no, I mean, it just, it makes sense, right? Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Awesome. Well, I think it's about that time to wrap things up. So uh, where can everyone find you? Um, What are your socials? You know, Mm -hmm. we'll link them in the, in the description, but tell us, tell us where to find you. Well, you can find me on YouTube. I have two different channels, but my main channel is Upstate Canine Academy. And then Instagram, I have four different accounts, but my main personal Instagram is at Tom Davis, just my name. I also have the No Bad Dogs, N-O-B-A-D-O-G-S. I have Upstate Canine, and then I have uh, Dude with a Dog Sign. So we're doing some fun things with that. And yeah, I would say that, and I have a podcast too, but I mean, you could pretty much find me anywhere, Facebook, podcast, Instagram, whatever. And I just, like I said, I just, just out here, as I help people one-on-one and I record it and I put it out to the universe, mm. I just want to help people and that's it. I'm not, that's, so if you go and you find some of my stuff and it's something that you're like, wow, this is helpful. Follow along, join, join, join us. <laughs> and if it's not join the bat, no bad dogs army, yeah. join us. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, we're just, I'm just, we're just, I'm building a community of that's what one of the thing about people magazine really put emphasis on is the community that I've 
been building over the last years is yeah. just a bunch of dog owners trying to help each other with positivity and we're not shaming and poking fun and doing those videos that other people do about them being right and everyone being wrong. And we're just really out here trying to make a difference for the dogs and not involving our personal egos into the mix and just trying to help. And if, so if you hang out with us and check us out, hopefully it helps. Awesome. Yes. And Tom also has TikTok. You can I do, find yeah. him on TikTok too. TikTok's weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even, yeah, I do have TikTok, but it's the same stuff. I mean, it's just TikTok's a weird place, but yeah. TikTok is a weird place. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being here with us today. And uh, I yeah. look forward to working with you in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us this week. If you'd like to keep up with the latest, please follow us on Instagram at Heart of the Dog Podcast. If you'd like to get involved in the community, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash heart of the dog podcast. And if you have any questions you'd like answered or topic suggestions, please email heartofthedogpod at gmail.com. Please check out the show notes for any resources that may have sparked your interest. And finally, if you enjoy this podcast as much as you enjoy your dogs, please rate and review so that other members of the pack can find us. And please share with a friend or loved one.